Hello, my friends. This is astrologer DK Brainerd. And you're listening to the Stars for the People Astrology Podcast for the week, the weeks of January 3rd and January 10th, 2011. Well, we start off the year with a, um, a big solar eclipse in the sign of Capricorn. I've written and video blogged extensively about this eclipse, so check it out on wordsforthepeople.com. Check out the January video forecast on empowerradio.com. And I won't go into too much more detail about that eclipse here, but I do want to say that 2011 is going to be in some ways more of the same of 2010, but in other ways very different. And we start off with this eclipse at the very top of the year, and it really feels like a a portal of sorts or an entryway, a doorway into the themes of 2011 and beyond. And so I'm kind of taking this podcast in a little bit of a different direction this year. I kind of snuck up on you a little bit with it uh, at the end of last year. But, uh, you know, I want to I wanna explore some ideas that this format, which always feels like, uh, and maybe this is because I usually record it late at night when the world is quiet, the house is quiet, always feels like this late night, Um, you know, kind of like AM radio back in the day, late night exploratory jam format. And so I want to take it more, a little more consciously in that direction and just explore some themes as they come up. So one of the themes that I see with, with this eclipse, which I do talk about again, rather extensively in the, um, in the column on wordsforthepeople.com is that the Sabian symbol for this eclipse indicates that one of the major themes is looking at our culture and evaluating what we want to keep and what we need to leave behind. And implicit in that act of evaluation should we choose to do that is the need to look at the ideas that our country, our culture, our way of life is founded on and then look at how those are actually being expressed both personally in my own habits and my own thought patterns and my own actions and then on a broader sense collectively. So solar eclipses are always asking us to become aware of a pattern or an activity or a behavior, whatever it may be that we've outgrown, so that we can move on to the next better thing, so that we can make room for for a better thing. So solar eclipses, you know, we often hear that you're planting the seeds of something new. I often hear myself saying that. But a lot of what's happening with that eclipse is that we're actually clearing the ground so that we have a healthy 
productive place to plant those seeds. And with this eclipse happening in the sign of Capricorn, which is where Pluto is from 2009 to 2023, this is like the major evolutionary death and rebirth area of the Zodiac for that 15-year period. So wherever Pluto goes, Pluto sort of uh, irrevocably and inexorably crushes out and destabilizes and, um, you know, just demolishes the old so that something newer can come into place. And so Capricorn represents the great world systems, you know, all the big structures in the world, healthcare, the corporate world, government, politics, education, sort of, um, you know, even more basically the things like architecture and infrastructure. And all of these are crumbling, you know, and, and so if you're listening to this podcast, you probably get a good feel for that. I won't, I won't beat that, beat that uh, horse and pony show into the ground. But what I would like to explore is, and, and I believe this eclipse is really asking us to check in with where we are with these big structures. How dependent are you on the materialist, consumerist, reductionist culture that has built up over the last several hundred years? And especially since the last Pluto and Capricorn era, which was the late 1700s. So some examples of that would be, how dependent are you on a large corporation that whose only real goal is maximizing profits and doesn't care about the earth, doesn't care about people, doesn't have a real human element to it. How dependent are you on that? How dependent are you on infrastructure that is steadily crumbling and will need to be replaced by something new? How dependent are you on reductionist allopathic medicine that focuses on breaking everything down into parts and then destroying or, or waging war against the part that is deemed to be broken or, you know, um, or diseased or, or whatever, because that system is, you know, maybe one of the most obvious systems that's crumbling. And these are all areas that this eclipse is sort of asking us to look into. And as I, again, mentioned in print, with this eclipse making such a, um, a hardcore angle to Saturn, which is the ruler of Capricorn, and Saturn and Libra is about developing win-win relationships. One of the things that we're being asked to do is really look at how we're relating to other people because as these systems continue to destabilize in the years ahead, there are going to be pockets that many of us may find ourselves in, and I personally have already been through two of these in the last five or six years. So the the great blackout in the northeast and midwest when I was in Detroit, and I believe it was 2003, and then Hurricane Katrina, you know, being another obvious one. But as we continue to destabilize. And we're really talking about a whole way of life going away. You know, and it's not going to be 
probably dramatic, like, um, you know, alien invasion or, or, you know, we pray that it's not going to be nuclear World War Three or things like that. But it's a situation where, you know, the things are going to just keep falling apart and need to be replaced by a new higher order level of evolution in, in the, at the level of culture, society, um, st- structure, things like that. So that leads me to my question for today, which is, and here's where we go off road a little bit, which is man or machine. So I've been, um, sort of obsessively watching, uh, DVDs of the reimagined Battlestar Galactica series that I believe ran on the sci-fi channel. We don't have TV. Um, so Anything we watch comes through Netflix or, you know, something we rent at Blockbuster. Oh, speaking of Blockbusters, can I put in a plug for my expanded audio horoscopes? They're only six ninety five each, and you get at least 10 minutes. It's like a personalized mini reading with me for the month ahead. I'm just so pleased with the way these are coming out, and, um, you know, the the feedback I'm getting from them is just really awesome, too. It's a, just a deeper level of connecting to the energy currents for the month ahead. I highly recommend you give it a try. It's very easy to do. If you have PayPal, it's super duper easy. But you can also use credit card, debit card. Very simple. You get to keep the file, so you can listen to it as often as you want. You can put it on your iPod. You can burn it onto a CD, listen to it in the car. Check it out. Okay. Back to man versus machine. So one of the big themes of the reimagined Battlestar Galactica is, if not the biggest theme, is that the Cylons, which are these robots that were created by humans, rebelled and evolved and kind of disappeared in deep space after this lengthy war that neither the humans nor the machines won. And then after like 40 years, the silence come back and I haven't finished it. I haven't finished the series. So, um, you know, I don't know how this is going to end up, but the Cylons, some of the Cylon models are extremely preoccupied with God. And there's this division currently, um, where the, the humans still believe in this sort of polytheistic, um, universe with the Roman or Greek gods, and the Cylons believe in the one true God, you know, and there's this kind of religious theme that's running through everything. But there, there's also you know, a very strong theme in the more visionary scientific thinking nowadays that says, you know, we're, we're maybe 10, 20 at the earliest, but at the latest, probably 50 to 100 years away from what people are calling the singularity, which is a point at which machine intelligence advances to the point that we can kind of compute anything that can be known. So um, I don't remember what the name of the law is that says technology increases exponentially as the time between technological quantum leaps decreases. But we have this situation where the sort of pace of technology keeps doubling in half the time. And so, um, 
my friend Carrie Roy over at NewOrleansPsychic.com just sent me this fascinating, fascinating monograph about you know the the burning need to develop to really pour money into this artificial intelligence area because of the looming uh, ecological disaster on the planet. And so this school of thought says that we've really gone so far in desecrating our home planet, you know, that our only hope is to either find another habitable planet or to transfer our intelligence into machines. And so, you know, and to, to basically sever ourselves from being dependent on the human biocomputer on biology because if we were able to download ourselves into a, a robot or a computer chip or whatever you know a we could make these long distance star trips to other planets and we wouldn't have to worry about our bodies aging obviously so you know that that increases our options a lot or b if we wanted to stay on earth for as long as it takes for nature to sort of reassert itself after a nuclear war or after, you know, the, the end of fossil fuels, et cetera, et cetera, then we would be able to do that um, because, again, we wouldn't be dependent on fragile biology. And neither of those sounds like a really appealing option to me. I've been reading a lot of William Gibson lately, and... Um, had not read Neuromancer. I'd read some of his other stuff, but hadn't read Neuromancer until a few weeks ago. And in Neuromancer, in, in Gibson, you know, sort of obsessed with the evolution of technology. And then I, I was just listening to um, one of my dear um, students in the Soul Mastery program for 2010 turned me on to WNYU's Radio Lab program which is this exploration of technology and the brain and consciousness and how we function in the world or dysfunction as the case may be. And they had an episode on Radiolab as well about the theory that, and I think the book is called What Does Technology Want? Is the theory that technology is this sort of supra organism that has some sort of consciousness. And so basically running through the stream of all these things that I've been sort of ingesting is the premise that whether we want to admit it or not, whether we want to deal with it or not, technology is growing, you know, sort of volitionally or at least a little bit outside of our conscious control. And, this may or may not be a good thing, but it's something that we have to reckon with. So then I got, you know, then I got to the idea of my brother and I years ago came up with this, what by now seems very obvious to me, but at the time it seemed revolutionary to us. This metaphor for technology where we saw computers and cell phones and things like that as these models that we had created to be able to externalize abilities that are intrinsic to the organism, but that we've lost, that we have. So, you know, we only use 10% of our brains. If you look at these um, crystal kids that are coming in in China, or you take seriously any of the um, shamanic, you know, practices in, in indigenous tribes around the world, 
you pretty much have to say, okay, we humans under certain circumstances have the ability to levitate. We have the ability to do tele telekinesis, you know, to levitate objects or move objects with our minds. We have the ability to bilocate, to be in two places at once. We have the ability to perform these radical acts of mastery over biology using the mind or, and or using the spirit. And so my brother and I came up with this theory that, you know, we've created machines in order to see these things for ourselves so we can remember, oh, hey, I have the ability to do this. So for the last few years, I've sort of taken it for granted that at some point, for some reason, we stop using technology and start using our internal abilities. So, you know, one one way of looking at this with the looming ecological crisis, including peak oil, you know, is that pretty soon we don't we can't afford gas and we don't have enough gas left, so we can't drive. So what happens? Well, either we all just sort of hunker down and don't go anywhere anymore. Or under that kind of stress, we make an evolutionary quantum leap, which is actually something that we possessed until maybe five or 10,000 years ago when we moved into this very um, left brain dominant kind of um, model that has been getting increasingly stronger where the left brain, you know, the ego mind, if we don't want to put it in brain hemispheres, has really taken over to the point, you know, we've shut down all of these other imaginative, creative abilities, the other 80% of the mind, right? So I'd always kind of taken it for granted that that's how this happens, is there's the technological blackout. And because of that, we once again develop these abilities that we used to have to teleport, to telepathically communicate. You know, and then I started thinking about it in light of all of watching Battlestar Galactica and all of the reading that I've been doing. And I thought, you know, the the question is, if you read somebody like Drunvalo Melchizedek, you know, he talks about going to all these sacred sites around the world and meeting these um, indigenous master shamans and these people that spend their lives living at 19,000 feet and have never seen outsiders in, in the Andes, you know, in Peru and things like that and developing all of these technologies. And we can develop these technologies. One of the things that I'm doing with the words premium program is sort of gently leading us all in that direction. So, um, you know, I, I, I've learned enough of this to, communicate telepathically at times to be able to remote view things at times. But one of the challenges is that we've got so much technological interference. You know, we've got so much um, bouncing around all the time, cell phone emissions and just, you know, noise. I mean, there's never, how, how often is your neighborhood totally quiet, right? How often is your house totally quiet? You've got machine noise in the background and, you know, many people have their TVs on or their radio on all the time. And then you got the neighbor's noise, etc. Airplanes flying overhead. And so we don't really have the mental silence, most of us, to really be able to cultivate these technologies. So then I got to thinking, well, hey, maybe we don't. Maybe this is part of the evolutionary path is that rather than going back to a pure state of nature. So the 
the Rousseauist kind of fantasy of going back to the noble savage, maybe what happens is that our machines do just continue to get smaller and do continue to become more integrated with our biology. So nanotechnology comes to mind here. And um, rather than, you know, going into some blackout, maybe this is part of our evolution. And you know what? I'm going to be just real honest with you. I know that there are going to continue to be hard times. And as I've said before, I keep getting the, the message from my guides that we're not, we don't have to have a global catastrophe, but we are going to have pockets of chaos and of disease and of lack and things like that that happen in different areas of the world over the next 20, 30, 50 years. And maybe the way that we go through this is, that, is by embracing that union of man and machine because ultimately, I mean, does it really matter? You know, I mean, that's a big change. It's scary to think of not being human because on this plane, that's all we know. But on a bigger level, on a soul level, we don't need biology. It always cracks me. I just, I don't know why I find this so hilarious, but I love listening to scientists talk about finding other star systems where there might just be a planet that has the same... Um, you know, physical makeup as earth. And so therefore it could support life because there's nothing anywhere else that supports life. And I'm like, where did we, where did you get the ridiculous idea that life is all biological? You know, anybody who's seen a ghost or astral traveled or remembered, you know, your life between lifetimes on earth. I mean, we know that the, you know, if you believe in God, you don't think God's biological. Do you, I mean, do you think angels are biological? I don't know, maybe as a scientist you can't believe in, I, I guess you're not allowed to believe in anything you can't see <clears throat> other than quarks and, and uh, subatomic particles for some reason. Okay, science is one of, science is being like the strictest religion out there, you know. Um, <laughs> I don't know why scientists crack me up so much. I guess it's because I grew up fundamentalist Christian and it's like, the the whole creationist evolutionist argument always just killed me because it's like nobody has any proof you can't you don't know we haven't been back there it's all based on faith and and um and uh yeah i'll stop rambling about that now but um you know it's kind of easy to imagine that within the next 10 years, and this is kind of how it plays out in Gibson's Neuromancer, is that, you know, we're a little bit further into the future and people are being augmented with well, all these kinds of cybernetic devices, you know, so you can have a chip or a, a disk drive implanted, you know, hard drive implanted in your temple to enable you to be a mathematical genius or you get a chip that allows you to do things. And it's really easy for me to imagine that you get the choice of having the chip put into your eyelid or into your temple. And then if I want to call you on the phone, I just think about you, think about your image. And we may, you know, if you're there, we make a connection and we can just talk mind to mind, you know, which is basically the same thing that we would do if we had the mental silence and the quiet and the focus to meditate and to talk to each other without technology. The, that, of course, then you get into the question of, um, 
you know, what happens when you have a chip and you get hacked or you get a virus attack. So you definitely have to keep your Norton antivirus subscription up to date for your chip because you don't want hackers getting into your brain. I mean, it gets weird. I'm not, not going to lie to you. It gets really weird. But just to kind of bring it full circle, uh, this eclipse is, is it's the last Capricorn eclipse in this sequence of Cancer Capricorn that has been going on since um, July 2009. And I really feel like this opens some doorways for us. And, and I feel like 2011 um, is going to be this interesting mix of the radically innovative where we've really got this desire to break free from the repression that we've been under over the last two or three years. And then also the deeply visionary and spiritual. And I have to say, I'm looking forward to this year. 2010 was an amazing year. I mean, we got a lot done over here at Words for the People. But um, it, it was it was intense. And 2011, you know, there are going to be pockets of intensity, but I really feel like there is this um, sort of amazing group consciousness. And it will be interesting to see where we go, not only this year, but how can we put our consciousness together and avoid those doomsday scenarios and instead focus on building the next level of human society, of human connectedness. And ultimately, the shift that we're going through, the shift with this whole Pluto and Capricorn thing, and again, I feel like this is a theme of this eclipse that's gonna we're going to be experiencing for the next couple, three, four weeks as Mercury goes forward and, and moves into Capricorn in the middle of the month. We'll talk about that more in the next podcast. But this theme of we're moving from this major shift from a materialist, manufacturing, consumerist, based society into an information technology communication based society and none of us really knows for sure what that's going to look like but the great thing is that we get to make it up together so those of us that are in taking part in the words premium project you know that's a big part of what we're doing and all of us that are connecting cybernetically through you know, the podcasts and the website, and, and I really appreciate your comments, both on the website and on Facebook, on the Astrology Thought of the Day. That's what we're, do, we're doing, too. So, you know, we're already melding technology and biology. All right, well, I hope you have a wonderful 2011. I hope, I hope you found the off-road excursion enjoyable, and um, I look forward to talking to you in a couple weeks. Until then, this is astrologer D.K. Brainerd saying, may you go with the stars.